Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Gary Armstrong and today I'm joined by Record Sports writer Michael Gannon and Liam Bryce from the Record Sport Online team. On the pod today, we analyse Celtic's defeat to Kilmarnock, where did it go wrong for the hoops? We also have a look at Celtic's deepening injury crisis, can the defence cope with the loss of Dedrick Boyata and Christoph Eyer? We also have a countdown to the Zenit St Petersburg clash and preview what's likely to be a very important game in the hoops season. We also ask, is Scott Brown being unfairly painted as a villain by Craig Levine? Meanwhile, we look ahead to the Scottish Cup clash with Partick Thistle at the weekend, What team will Brendan Rodgers opt for? So Mick, we'll start off with the defeat at Rugby Park on Saturday. Brendan Rodgers' only second domestic defeat as Celtic boss. Where do you think it went wrong for the Hoops? Well, there's quite a few reasons, wasn't there? I mean, it didn't play well for a start. Um, It wasn't a particularly impressive performance. There there was some mitigating factors involved. You look at the injuries in the first half. I think touched on Ayer and Boyata both going off. So half the back line is ripped up right away. Uh, the new boy in there and Jack Henry as well so he got used to that the kind of set up so there are a few kind of um, few problems in terms of personnel but I say the performance was, was pretty flat as well um, it didn't create an awful lot which is not like Celtic Celtic tended to create a lot of chances um, usually take a few as well but it didn't create an awful lot against Kilmark and then obviously they picked off uh, on the break and, and by the end of the match in the last 20 minutes Kilmark could have probably had two or three there's some right good opportunities towards the end and it could have been worse for Celtic but I you need to put it in a wee bit of context. Like, like you say, it's the second defeat of the season. Last year was an exceptional season. That doesn't happen I mean, in our lifetime before uh, for a reason. So you're comparing it to last season, it's a wee bit unfair. I think so last year you need to take it out uh, as a unique season. This year it's kind of came back more to a kind of regular kind of season where the, the obviously Celtic are still out in front in, in the league, but they're, they're finding it harder to get the, the same run of um, results as they managed last year. But there's definitely been a drop-off this year. But maybe it had to be expected, I don't know. Yeah, I think the problem this year was always going to be being compared to last year uh, because the, the standards, obviously, they were so high and it was just completely you know, unprecedented, blowing teams away left, right and centre. And it was always going to be really difficult to keep that up. And as we're seeing, it's, you know, it's they're not exactly you know, been terrible this year, but it's just been a drop-off in the, the kind of ridiculously high standard that Celtic did set themselves. But, I mean... It doesn't take away from the fact that they were pretty poor at Rugby Park. Uh, they just looked pretty blunt and kind of devoid of ideas at times, which is obviously not like them. Um, but Kelly were, you know, Kelly were very good as well. I don't think you can take too much away from them. Kelly have done a bit of a, a number on them and different, different approach to you know stifling Celtic to the way Hearts did. Hearts were a bit more in your face, uh, getting in about them, whereas you know Steve Clark had them very well organised and sitting in and Celtic they just didn't have an answer to it. Yeah that's something I picked up on as well with the the Hearts defeat at Tynecastle as you said from the first minute Hearts pressing that back line obviously Celtic's defenders or Brendan Rodgers instructs the defence to play it around the back 
Kilmarnock, very much different tactics, sat back, soaked up the pressure, let them get some crosses in and went for the counter-attack. Mick, do you feel that should be a concern for Brendan Rodgers that Celtic, okay, it's only in two games, but they can be got at in two different ways? No, I think all teams can be got at in, in, in certain respects. I mean, the, Hearts, the Hearts game was a strange one. I think it came at a good time. It was a kind of perfect storm in terms of that result. I think Celtic were looking a bit jaded and on the verge of, of, of a defeat. Um, the way Hearts played it, I mean, it's, it's high pressing, also, also high risk. I think Craig Levine admitted that himself. He thought if it works, it's great. But if they conceded early, like they did at Parkhead uh, a few weeks ago, then it's, it's game over. But they got the first goal and then they could continue, keep that high press and they kept picking the Celtic off as well, uh, forced them into mistakes through it from the back. Uh, and it worked a treat, but it's, like I say, it's a, it's a high risk strategy, but when it comes off, it looks spectacular. Um, and Celtic have done that as well themselves in certain games. I think they were Man, Man City uh, at Parkhead last year. Did exactly the same thing. Thought, we'll just go at them, push them up the park and we'll see how they go. And they managed to hit them uh, a few times. So it does work against teams that are, are theoretically um, superior teams. Whereas Steve Clark's uh, method was, was maybe more traditional. They kind of stifle the areas, mark the areas, uh, shut off areas of the pitch, make, make Celtic play in places they don't want to play. Make it, um, and a lot of times Celtic were coming from the back and forced to go through the middle. And that put pressure on the likes of uh, Cham. He was getting the ball with his feet with two men up his back all the time and he's having to go back the way. Celtic fans are cracking up and passing the ball square and passing the ball back. But if you're getting the ball with your feet with your back to go and not at an angle... There's not many places you can go apart from back, so it's a quite a, it was a good game plan. Um, come out, I thought they, they have looked so organised under Steve Clark, um, and they made life real difficult. You've also got to take into account Celtic are missing an awful lot of players and creative uh, creative players. Patrick Roberts, Stuart Armstrong, Tom Rogic. These are guys that, that, that pick open defences and they're not there. Well, that's what I was going to say to you, Mick. There was a real lack of pre- uh, penetration at Rugby Park from Celtic. Uh, even when Scott Sinclair came on, you know, he very rarely got uh, in behind Kilmarnock's rear guard and even yeah. then he, he couldn't convert the, the half chances he had. Do do you think there is a real problem with Celtic being able to unpick defences at the moment? Or, as you say, is it just because of the injuries that they've not got that someone at the moment like a rugged shooting? I, I don't think it helps because the, 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 little, the little kind of passages and, and uh, intricate passing they had last year haven't been able to do it this year because the personnel changing so often. I mean, even the weekend, kind of Charlie Masonda coming in, just in the door two, two minutes. It would take him time to get used to players playing around him. Um, Dembele still working to get back to full match fitness, not quite there yet. But then, let's say, Giffis is dropping out. He's been playing in there. He had to drop out injured. Um, so it's difficult to get some sort of momentum going this year because they have lost so many players to injury. Um, and I think that's, you can see it. I think the, the, the wee moves, the wee triangles they had last year that was working a treat. They aren't quite there yet because it's not the same personnel every week that's there. You only need to look at how important Roberts and Rogic were last year just to, to know that you are going to miss these guys. It's not going to be, uh, you know, they have still got good players coming in, but you know, are they on quite the, you know, the same kind of you know level as the likes of Patrick Roberts who just looked untouchable at times last year. The same with Rogic. These are guys that sure, can, Armstrong as well. I mean, look Armstrong, at the second half of last uh-huh. season. Armstrong was so vital. You know, guys like Ro- Roberts and Rogic were these kind of players that can just produce something out of nothing and when you've got these guys in your team in games you know like like the game on Saturday where it's maybe not going your way you know having these guys in the team just it can make the, the difference in a split second even if the rest of the team aren't quite at it these guys with that quality can just turn the game you know in a few seconds so it's it'll be interesting to see if 
if it does pick up again when the likes of these guys start coming back in because you know before the the um the winter break kind of a lot of the talk was about you know Celtic they need a rest they need a bit of time off and then when we come back from the the winter break they'll, they'll be flying and be you know firing all cylinders again that's not really happened so you can't say for sure that as soon as Robertson and Rogers come back um that, that it'll pick straight up again but you are going to you know, as I say you look at last season how important they were you are going to miss them and as you alluded to Mick Charlie Massonda get his debut also Jack Henry Mir Beaton had come in and play centre-back again like he did in a lot of European games. Is it too easy to be too critical of Celtic for one bad result, given the problems they've got? That's the, that's the nature of the, the world we live in. Scottish football, it's, um, if you win a game, you're uh, the best in the world and you lose, you're the worst. It's, uh, it's never anything in between, uh, which it usually is, to be honest. It usually is uh, somewhere in between. But um, look, it was a poor performance, and I think... People are a bit concerned. Certainly, fans are a bit concerned that the performances haven't been at the same level as they've seen or got used to last year. Because they haven't been. There's no way to get around it. You mentioned Scott Sinclair. He's not quite at the same heights as last year. I don't think his, his demise has been quite as dramatic. Some people make out. I mean, look at his stats. His they're stats still frightening. Still, you know, right um, but he's, he's missed a few guilty chances that you maybe think he put away. His final ball maybe not quite been the same as it was last year. But it had to happen at some point. Um, but a lot of these players as well they have been on the go for 18 months solid um, and they were, were going to be a dip at some point uh, and like we see with injuries as they come in now as well because they have been at full pelt for a long time uh, and it's starting to bite uh, guys like Jack Henry they'll come in it'll take them time um, maybe it wasn't the best of debuts the boy made them I think um, anyone has seen him know he's a, he's a prospect but he's still young and it's, it was a big ask coming in and, and especially when you lose your, your partner Um both of them, yeah, alongside you. So he's kind of left, kind of holding the baby on his debut, which is a wee bit unfortunate for him. He did struggle a bit, I mean, especially towards the end of the game, and it was a bit ragged. Um, I felt kind of sorry for him in that respect. But he'll come. He will come. Good. He's a good big player, as we've all seen in Scotland this year. And what impact do you think this result will have, if any, Mick? Like positive or negative? Is it just you, you wait and see if it spurs Celtic on, or if it knocks their confidence out from? Listening to Brendan Rodgers after the game, how do you think Celtic will react? They've not had to react to many setbacks in the last 18 months, but when they have had questions asked of them, they, they tend to answer them. I remember the, the game at Pataudry at that time. Celtic looked as though they were vulnerable. They're up there and absolutely hammered Aberdeen, I mean, at the park. Um, the, the Hearts game again last week at uh, Parkhead, people wondering how they would react to the, the defeat at Tynecastle. Thumped Hearts at the park, could have been, could have been anything that night. So they do tend to kind of come back when there's questions asked. They do tend to kind of spark into life, um, and, and and try to get some sort of reaction. So I think you would expect to see something on Saturday. Um, I, I think they will. Um, they do tend to get stung when they get criticised. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go on. And so there is somewhat of an injury crisis. I mean, we've been saying that for a few months now. Do you have the latest, Mick, on what the the injury situations are, particularly in the defence, the likes of Boyata or? Ayer. Yeah, I think I think they two are, are, are struggling a wee bit. Bayata maybe uh, slightly ahead of, uh, of Ayer, I don't know, but I think it's still a bit away, I think. Um, Stuart Armstrong can edge him back. Um, I think Patrick Roberts will be waiting to find out as well, because he, he was due back around about this kind of time, but now I think maybe a little bit longer. Um, I, think there's, I think there's perhaps more positivity in terms of um, Jozo Simonovic. He's, he's back training. in the squad for the weekend. Well, I think back he, this was, weekend yeah. he was deliberately left out yeah, on, like on the plastic. He, he, he wouldn't have played in that kind of, that kind of surface um, with his kind of injury history. 
Um, so I'd expect to see him, him back in. So it's slightly, I think I think there's talk about Marvin Compers, not far off either. Yeah, but he can't play against Zenit. They've said he's, they're not going to rush him into. There's no point. Playing, I mean, he can't so play. He can't play against Zenit anyway. So there's no yeah. point in rushing him in if he's if he's if he's coming back from injury. So it's maybe starting to ease slightly, but um, it's still not particularly particularly great at the moment. Liam, for you, do you see these injuries just as bad luck? I suppose any injury is, but does it suggest a lack of squad depth in any way on Celtic's part, or is it just? A a bad spate of a number of injuries at once. I think it it just seems like a you know a bit of bad a bad luck because you know if you look at if you look at Celtic squad there is a great deal of depth there and they have been, for the most part they have been dealing with it. Uh, they've okay they've had these two poor results but they've still been getting points <coughs> on the board. Uh, the weekend was poor obviously but it's not completely derailed their season. They do have enough quality in terms you know relative to. You know the domestic scene to to see them through this, and I, I don't think it's it points to a lack of depth. I mean, what can you you can't legislate for your two centre halves being injured? I think I think if you, if you if you mentioned a lack of depth of Celtic squad to any other manager in Scotland, they spit their uh, tea across the room. I think um, they'd love to, uh, everybody else would love to have that exactly. Lack of depth, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got a full first team out, and I mean, let's be honest, the players that are playing are first team players. Whereas any other team would need to get games called off. I think with the injury list, it's Celtic have got. And just around the corner, we've got the big Europa League clash with Zenit. So that's next Thursday. Liam, uh, given the form Celtic have been in, and it's hard to judge Zenit and Petersburg coming back after a long winter break, who would you say are favourites for this tie? I think you'd still put probably Zenit as the, the favourites for it. Um, Celtic, they're not in, a, in a, a great moment, as you said, in terms of, in terms of injuries, Zenit. As you say, you can't ju- you can't always you know judge how teams will come back from a break without any sort of competitive action. But I think at, at this moment in time, you'd probably maybe just put the Russians as as favourites just now. And obviously, Celtic have home leg at first. Traditionally, Mick, that's seen as a disadvantage, isn't it? It is, but I don't see it that way this time. To be honest with you, I think it's now perhaps flipped. Even in, in general terms in Europe, I think having a home leg first is no longer a bad thing. Um, I think if Celtic can get through the first leg and be alive in the tie, I think that's a bonus. If not, nothing each draw at Celtic Park, I think I think would be a decent result. To be honest with you, um, I mean Zenit, there are, we don't really know an awful lot about them. Um, my Russian TV subscriptions um, so it's expired, so I don't see an awful lot of them. Um, the Russian league, um, so uh, <laughs> uh, at least not, at least, at least, not the, at least not the sports shows anyway. Yeah. But um, so it, we don't really know. I mean, all we know is they've got a, a huge wage bill. They've got guys that are um, some some pretty hefty um, names in the team and all that stuff. Big name manager, so it's big name manager. So they're, they're worth a few quid. So they're going to be they're going to be decent. They've, they've European pedigree in recent years. Um, so they're going to be a, a top draw side, and they'll be coming to Scotland. And if the, the nightmare scenario is they come and do a job in Celtic in the first leg, and it's done before we get to Russia, that's the total nightmare scenario. And I think that's the concern a lot of fans will have because they look at the defensive record in the Champions League and think not up to much. Um, when, when there's pressure put on them, they don't really cope with it. So we don't know what this uh, Russians will bring. How they travel, I don't know. That's an issue because I mean, that's um, see teams that sometimes don't travel so well. But I still think through the first leg, a one 0 up, would snap snap the hand off yeah, or a one 0 lead to go there and have something to try and hang on to it there. Because I say the nightmare scenario would be two nothing at home and tie over um, because out there is, is going to be 
pretty scary to be honest with you. So even in a nil nil at Celtic Park, I mean, usually Celtic like to sort of batter teams in their own turf, get as many goals as they can earlier on. But maybe a more pragmatic approach from Rodgers, although he's been averse to that in the past, might yield a nil nil result, and then they can look to grab an away goal in Russia, perhaps, Liam. It's a, it's an option. It's a, and I mean, I don't think you know as much as Rodgers has been. You know, maybe accused of being trying to go too gung ho against these top sides, he'll, he, he will he will probably have a look at. You know, especially if they've got if they get that there's not much of an improvement on the injury situation, as we maybe don't anticipate there will be. Uh, he might have a look at you know just employing a bit more something a bit a bit more restraint, a bit more caution. Um, but at the same time, he might he might be looking at Zenit and thinking, well, we can get at we can get at this mob really and. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but I don't think a a nil nil draw at home, you know, it might be not the most exciting evening for Celtic fans, but if they can take a draw, a, a scoreless draw over to Russia, you know, who knows? We've been quite cute in the European qualifying ties uh, over two legs. I mean, even the, the Rosenberg at home game. I mean, the people say that that Rodgers isn't pragmatic. I don't particularly go along with that. I mean, they played the back five at the new camp and, and lasted about ninety seconds before the floodgates <laughs> opened up. Um, and they've tried various different ways of playing, and I don't, I don't think I mean, the way it's sometimes portrayed is that, that, that he's hitting his team out like Kevin Keegan's Newcastle team in these games. It's not the case. It's just the players and the, whether it's the formation, the tactics, the players, or a combination of all of the above, they've not done it against these teams. Um, but at the same time, you're playing against the likes of Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Paris Saint Germain. They tell you how they play. They dictate yeah. how you play. Not Celtic don't yeah, dictate don't, how you, you play. You don't turn up. You don't to, get to decide how you, know, you play against these teams because the they decide. Set the tone, really, do you? So, and, that, and they've. I mean, it's happened to better teams than Celtic as well. So it's, it's. It, yeah, I think you're right, Mike, when you say it's. It's not a, a case of him going out and being. Uh, even though he has, you know, been accused of it in some quarters, I don't think it is a, a case of going out and being too gung ho as you, as such. So I, I don't hear think that, I hear this phrase part of the bus again. I think I'm going to jump in front of one. <laughs> I remember you said this before. It's, it's just brutal here. I mean, it's just such it's a, just a, a different way cliche. of playing. It's not, you know, there's, it's got this element of shame attached to it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's just sometimes it's, it's the way to go. It's, a, it's a low block these days. It's not, uh-huh, know, <laughs> it's not a part of the bus. So if you if you were a Celtic fan at the moment, Liam, looking towards this Senate tie, are you optimistic? I think you just you'd have to be I mean why not uh, you know these kind of European ties for you know clubs like you know Celtic Scottish teams are to be you know to be savoured they're to be um, look forward to I don't think there's you know it's a big exciting tie against you know a big a big side and I, I don't see I mean okay they might not be at full strength but you, what's the point in you know getting into these big exciting games with that sense of you know dread and you know they've, they've they've done it in the past. Maybe the Champions League campaign wasn't, you know, one of the most memorable for them. But you know, as you say, in the the two legged ties, there seems there was a wee bit. Obviously, it's a step up in quality, but um, it's a bit different from the you know the group stage, and that it's uh, you're essentially you, you know you're playing both legs, and it's, I don't see why they should do I don't optimistic. think they should lower expectations either. I mean, no. they got to this stage two years ago under Ronnie Dyla against Inter Milan, and gave them a, a right good game over two legs. Um, I think it was Van Dijk sent off in the San Siro, which kind of put paid to their chances, but it was three each, the first game at Celtic Park, absolute classic. 
and they're still in a tie going to Italy, and they were in the tie over there as well, yeah, even with 10 men. So I, I'm not supposed to Inter Milan, or they weren't the Inter Milan of old, but they still had guys like Shakiri and all that stuff, and superb in the lineup. But I, so I don't think you should begin to this thinking, feeling the worst of it's going to be a bleaching. But at the same token, you have to look at the, some of the, the European displays this year and think that there is a potential for that to happen as yeah, well. You could understand maybe Especially a bit injuries, of yeah. apprehension and, as you say, adding the injuries into that. But um, I, d- I don't think that's, you know, I don't think you'll get too many Celtic fans, you know, completely dreading this tie because no. it's another big night under the lights, all of that. Nothing to lose, in effect. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I don't like that phrase either. I mean, I don't like that suggestion that the job's done. Getting out that third place in that group is, is that set for the season. I mean, I should have ambitions to to do well at this level. They're not going to progress unless they give them a game. So I think I wouldn't be writing off as a complete um, shot into the dark and hope for the best job because I said they should go there and compete. Moving on then, uh, something I wanted to pick up on today. Scott Brown, now Craig Levine had some choice comments about the Celtic skipper recently saying that all players should be afforded protection against them. What do you make of Levine's comments, Mick? Just Is it just born out of frustration? or one to tremendous. Craig, Craig has, has got his mojo back. It's, um, it's, been brilliant. Oh, it's been brilliant. I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the, 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 the new improved version of Craig Levine. He's throwing grenades all over the place. Um, I think he fell out with Neil Lennon and he fell out with Ben and Roger, Scott Brown. He's um, there's a hint of mischief about him. He's enjoying stirring the pot at the moment. Well, listen, he's he's, he's 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 worked a treat so far. I'm I've been impressed with it. I mean, listen, if that's what he wants to say, that's that's it's all it's all good. We, we, we like a bit of conflict in the uh, Scottish sports I mean, media. I'm, I'm not convinced that he's a hundred percent serious when he says these things. I think he's just, no, it's, you know, he's, 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 he's it's a sense that. of mischief involved. Uh, in you could even definitely. see the look in his face, it's uh, kind of tongue and cheek. I know when you see yeah, it written down so. on paper, you know you can think, oh, it's. He talking about, but there is a wee. You can tell there's a wee. He's still saying it. He's still saying it. He's still making a point. Ah, he's still. He's still. You know, (laughs) but it's the way he's doing it. It's. It's. You know. It's just cheeky. I must admit, I was laughing at Scott's response saying that Livy might have got my book in the weekend. Let's be honest, Scott gets booked most weekends. <laughs> if you're going to put a, a bet on a, a yellow card, it's usually Scott Brown. Because that's just the way he plays, and I don't think any manager would want to change that. But he's a physical, robust, aggressive player. Um, and I don't think, no matter what Craig Levine says or does, is going to change that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the guy, but I'd imagine Scott Brown's heard all this before. So I don't think, if you were to ask him about it, I don't think he would be. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be, you know, punching his TV when he looks at Craig Levine talking about him. That's just. No. And know. if you look at his disciplinary record, okay, he's had a lot of bookings, but I believe it's only one red card in the last three years. So maybe it is just a bit of fun and games. Uh, from the but he's, he's great. Scott Brown's great at that kind of that kind of thing. Of um, he might even take a booking at some point, even early on in games, and it almost sets his stall out for the rest of the match. Um, I think that was maybe the, the match that Levine was talking about. I think he, he may. He, I think it was a challenge on Jim. Uh, no, but the, the original the original tackle he got booked for was, a, uh-huh, was, was on, on Jim when yeah. he really put him in Rose Ed. Uh, but he was lucky. <laughs> he's probably lucky not to see any more <laughs> yellow. But uh, it was early in the game and. It, it was a real statement, an old-fashioned statement, uh, old, old-fashioned producer. I mean, you could almost see that coming after what had happened at Tynecastle. Mm. You, 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 it, you it. it would have been printing money, basically, to put... Oh, but it was I was when he tackled him. He was lucky to stay in the park for that one, but it did set, set his stall out, and then he ran the show that night, and, that, and that's what he didn't tend to do. So he take his book in sometimes and think, well, that's my message delivered loud and clear, and some poor fellas hobbling about uh, by a big bruise backside in, in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the way he plays. Another thing I wanted to pick up on is there's a lot of talk at the moment, as as brought to you by the record, that Walter Smith is the 
the, the the choice of the SFA to take over the Scotland job. There's been a bit of talk amongst some Celtic fans, or even at, even amongst people in the office here. Uh, the core of the Scotland squad at the moment is uh, are predominantly Celtic players who are used to playing sort of with an attacking verve and and, and so on. Walter Smith, although throughout his career has shown he can do, play attacking, defensive, and in, in his last Scotland campaign, tend to play defensive to get results. Do you? What's your take on Walter Smith maybe taking over the Scotland job, Mick, and, and any sort of impact that will have on the Celtic players or, or what they might think about it? Uh, in terms of Walter taking over with Scotland, I'm, I'm a wee bit torn um, because would, would Walter Smith come in and do a, a decent job with Scotland in the short term? I, I think you know, I think there'd be no doubt about it. I think he would make Scotland competitive in every single game they played in, uh, which could edge us towards qualification. So there, therefore... I can understand why there's a a move to speak to him and, and some people who would be who would be glad to see him in, in charge. But I'm also part of me that thinks are we going to be short term thinking all the time? We've done this for twenty years. So, I mean, the SFA let striking go because they perceive them to be a wee bit old fashioned, relying on older players, not wanting to blood youth, maybe not the guy, not progressive enough. So we want to go for a kind of young up-and-coming manager who would, who would do that. They identified Michael O'Neill. He says no, and then we go for somebody who is even older than Gordon Strachan and, and seen as, as, as more old-fashioned and, 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 and that kind of thing. So I must admit that not an appointment I, I think would be the most progressive. Uh, in the short term, potentially successful, so therefore I can see why it would be an appeal. But is that it's a wee bit depressing that the SFA are running around with the hair on fire. And it's, it's it's a bit like Rangers fans do it as well. After a couple of bad results, it's, oh, please go and get Walter. Oh, we, need, we, need, we need Walter. He's, he's seen as it's an Annie State and, 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 and Sir Walter, Uncle Walter, uh, is the man emergency. come and pick us up. We're, 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 we're stuck without a taxi fare home. Can you come and get us? And at some point, we have to let the guy just enjoy his retirement in peace without having to go, please come and bail us out. I don't think we need bailed out. I think we've got a squad of players that are progressing. We've got some young players coming through. They'll even find a few centre-halves here and there that we didn't have, I think, or maybe on the verge or something. Maybe not this campaign, but the next one. So I, I don't think it's a firefighting job just now. I think it's a job that for somebody to come in and, and make us progress. Who? I don't know. Uh, in terms of the Celtic angle, I don't think... I mean, the Celtic players are all... I mean, they're all really on board with Scotland in the last couple of years. I mean, the last two years, there have been, what, six, seven Celtic players in each squad, and they've done pretty well. Um, they're, unbe- they're unbeaten in competitive games for the last half of the campaign albeit it was last chance saloon all the way through it. Um, I don't think they had a problem if it was Walter Smith or, or, or anyone. Um, I don't think it will have an impact on them, apart from the, the summer friendlies, which we can forget about because mm-hmm. they won't be on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think a Walter Smith appointment would affect them in any, any, any means, but is it the man for the nation to progress? I don't know. Yeah, because like, like you say, you've got this kind of nucleus of Celtic players in the squad now, and these are guys who have been you know kind of conditioned to play in a pretty expansive way uh, by Brendan Rodgers and then I can see the you know the concern from some people thinking oh is Walter Smith is he you know the right guy to be handling these kind of players I think because you know especially you know obviously you had the nine in a row and everything years ago but I think a lot of people who maybe can't remember that as well were their kind of perception of Walter Smith as the the Rangers run to the, the UEFA Cup final where they were very pragmatic you know it wasn't great to watch at times and so I can maybe understand 
people thinking, oh, is he the right guy to handle these these guys? And have we got the players to at Scotland now to to kind of implement that style that Smith was sort of known for in Europe with Rangers? Um, but I think you would, if I mean, obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but if he came out, and I think you would have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's he had a long sort of managerial career where he could show that he could adapt, he could move with the times. So I think you would have to give him the benefit of the doubt and that he would handle these players properly. And, yeah, you can't you can yeah. accuse Walter Smith of being, this, I mean, latterly the reputation for being this kind of very um, kind of reactionary and kind of um, defensive-minded and, and solid foundations and killing games and all that stuff. But that was only latterly. I mean, you know, it's the guy that signed Paul Gascoigne and Brian Loudrup and all that stuff. And I mean, they weren't always... I think when he got Scotland job... You look at it, he was had to, to go to Scotland games against Italy with Nigel Quasi and all that stuff. You, you, you deal with the cards you've been dealt. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit unfair to, you know, to brand him as a Walter Nascio kind of um, to defending all the way. He took an Rangers team that weren't particularly great either all the way to a European final because those were the cards he was dealt. Um, so I, I don't I don't always agree with that kind of that image yeah. that he laterally would portrayed as. Um, but I just don't think he's maybe the kind of man made in terms of Taking the next step and these younger Scottish players and take us forward, but that's just. But I would be happy if he gets us to the European final. Yeah, we would take that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, the, look at the bigger picture. Yeah, I don't. He's. I mean, uh, they wouldn't be. You know, they wouldn't be hiring him for the the bigger picture, really, would they? I mean, if you're hiring Walter Smith, then we're basically admitting that we want a kind of short term fix to get finally to one of these tournaments. And then whether they've got a plan in place for succession, who knows? But you know that's getting away from you know the Celtic elements. So moving back to all things Celtic, Mick. Celtic have Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup this weekend. Is this a case of you know an expected comfortable win for Brendan Rodgers' men, see them through to the next round, and then just set them up nicely for Zenit St Petersburg? Do you think? I, would, I wouldn't be banking on a, a comfortable uh, comfortable win. No, not as such because I think Thistle. I've been aside that I've caused Celtic a few problems this season. I think Alan Archibald has got a way of playing against Celtic that does make life quite awkward. And I was impressed with them in the first half at Far Hill against Celtic a couple weeks ago. Um, I, would, I would expect Celtic, though, would need to have a strong side out. Uh, not that much choice, mind you, given some of the, the injuries they've got. Um, I think a, a strong side and a strong performance into next week is, is pretty vital. But I, I expect this to be. A, a real nuisance this weekend, and I think it'll be they'll need to scratch their way past this tie. I think in the next round, ah, it's maybe not the kind of game they want ahead of uh, ahead of playing Zenit. You know, as you say, Thistle. You know, they do seem to find a way of although Celtic have been coming out with the results. They do seem to have a way of you know kind of being a bit of a nuisance, uh, kind of knocking them off their stride a wee bit. And they don't want another. Obviously, they don't want another slip up ahead of uh, the Zenit game. You know, going out of the cup would. You know, there would be uh, it'd be different if it was a league game. Okay, maybe they dropped points, but if out of the cup, the kind of double treble element taken out of things, it would. It would I think it would affect the morale going into the Zenit game. So I do. I mean, you do expect Celtic to to make it into the next round, but I don't think it's it's not a, not a cut and dry. I think this will make cause them a few problems. And if you're Brendan Rodgers, okay, Mick, sorry, touched on it. Big Europa League clash coming up. Would you? start with a weaker 11 of what's available or would it be a case of let's get the tie hopefully in the bag get some players off for half an hour to go and rest them up for Thursday night yeah I think they're, they're kind of they're maybe dictated by the injuries I don't think they can really afford to 
uh, to take a chance because uh, you know as you say uh, you know there's has, there obviously has been injury problems but they can't afford you know another slip up ahead of this I think they've still got a decent amount of recovery time uh, I, I would it, but obviously the, you know the, the the worry is that there are another couple of injuries picked up but you know that's, that's football isn't it so, I would argue this is the, bigger, the official game's bigger game of the week I mean, Celtic aren't going to go all the way to to win the Europa League. I mean, look at teams involved. They just don't see that happening. Um, but you mentioned the, the chance to go and do a double treble. It would be um, is I would think the, the main priority. Yeah, maybe Zenit, yeah. the more exciting tie. But the, it is. But the more important game more is, is against Thistle. That's what I would see it. And just finally, Mick, just you're heading out to uh, Russia next week. So, what are your plans when you're heading out there? I'm, I'm packing my long johns and my, my, my Cossack hat and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I touched on it the just as long as the tie is still alive. That's the main thing. Um, it'd be a shame to go to all this hassle getting a visa for the place, then the game's done and dusted before you get there. And did you uh, qualify for a visa? Did, did they going to uh, let well, you in? I'm not found out yet until I'm still holding on for my passport. So I'll find out the next kind of 48 hours if, uh, if I get it back. Uh, we'll, we'll soon see. Uh, touch wood. Well, hopefully we'll be able to speak to you when you're out there then. Hopefully not in the, in the wee small hours of the morning as I think it was in Kazakhstan when we phoned you last time. But that's all from us this week. We will be back next midweek. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get a podcast as soon as it's available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.